The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting at the side of the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and to say, Son of David, Jesus, have pity on me. And many of them scolded him and, and told him to keep quiet. But he only shouted all the louder, Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man. Courage, they said. Get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he jumped up and went to Jesus. Then Jesus spoke to him. What do you want me to do for you? Rabuni, the blind man said to him, Master, let me see. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. And immediately his sight returned and he followed him along the road. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be seated. This is an epic little scene in Jesus's life and ministry. And it may not have happened. You know, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem all the time. He was always kind of heading in that direction. If you look in the Gospels, it says as he was heading to Jerusalem, but he kept taking all these little detours. And this is one such detour where he met two people uh, in particular. He met obviously a bunch of people, but he met Bartimaeus. Now, who is this guy? Is he famous? Like, he's a blind beggar. You know, no one could be less important. But Jesus has somehow put him in his itinerary. You know what I mean? That's noteworthy. And then he meets another insignificant or, or at least disliked person. Do you remember Zacchaeus, the tax collector? No one liked Zacchaeus. And in a crowd, he was literally buried. He's <laughs> just lost in the crowd somewhere. But Jesus goes and seeks him out as well. Jesus has a way of seeing us at our littlest. He has a way of noticing us when we are most insignificant because he's the good shepherd. You've heard that, haven't you? And he calls us by name. He knows us. Um, and not only does he notice and know and come and speak with and embrace us, but even most dramatically, he gives his life for us. In other words, the true martyr is Christ. The true witness to love that has no limits is Jesus himself. Therefore, the martyrs, in a way, are doing nothing other than imitating the love that they've been shown. Think about that for a second, because this is really how love works. We love those who love us. They, they kind of teach us what our relationship with them means. Um, your parents receive your love most naturally because they've invested love in you in the first place. Love is this thing that just keeps growing between the lover and the beloved. It's like a fire, you know? Who was it? I think it was Buddha who said, um, you don't have a fire by, by lighting another candle. You multiply it, you know? Well, love between all in this family of love, that is Jesus gathering everyone to himself, the love keeps multiplying. The presence of God keeps manifesting among them. I wanted to ask, I want to ask two things really. One is, what does it mean to live a life not necessarily where we die these dramatic deaths, because the, the martyrs died these kind of epic, uh, scary deaths, public, humiliating, all that kind of stuff. Really, that's secondary to what being a martyr means. The word literally means witness. 
So what does it mean to live a life where we witness so boldly, so kind of self-abandoningly, that even if we fail, we would prefer that than choosing some other route? Think about this for a second because it's, it's, a, it's a powerful question for you. It's basically what is worth living for? And you might name a hundred things. But then it's like, what's worth living for and struggling for and maybe not even succeeding, but still I'd rather do that than cop out. This is the life of faith. This is the life of faith. In the, in the, in the eyes of the world, the martyrs might have seemed like great failures. Like they put their, they put their eggs in the wrong basket because they're all in the ground. But the martyrs wouldn't see it that way, and neither would we in faith. It was worth the struggle, and as as ridiculous as this sounds, it was worth the failure. Just think about that. What's worth? Um, I don't know how to put this into a, a simple phrase, but it's almost like our faith is so precious. It's worth failing for. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of back to front thing, but this is, this is the challenge, and the martyrs got it. And we're all called to live that life of witness, that life capable of martyrdom. Not dramatic epic death, but dramatic epic life. Even if it fails, even if it seems to fail, it succeeds in Christ himself. Okay, so then what does it take to be a martyr? And I'd say it doesn't happen by magic, you know? Sometimes we um, imagine that if push comes to shove, we just dig our heels in and we don't, you know, it's all about our um, insolence, really. The martyrs weren't the most insolent people on earth, okay? That's wrong. The martyrs were virtuous and their virtue was elevated into supernatural kind of ability. Do you know what the four cardinal virtues are? I'm sure you do, but let's recap them. They are temperance. You can say this after me. Temperance. temperance. <laughs> say it with a bit of gusto there, okay? Temperance. temperance. Um, prudence. Prudence. Fortitude. Fortitude. And justice. justice. Okay. All of those are what you need to live the good life. You need them. This isn't even a faith thing. It's like a human thing. Everyone everywhere has to live with temperance, prudence, fortitude, and justice. It's built into your school motto. It's like your, your game plan, you know? The martyrs were people who habituated living a life ordered to justice, ordered to temperance, treating things in their, in their proper way, not binging on stuff or, or foregoing stuff, who were courageous because they were standing for what was right. And even if there was a threat, the threat didn't make them do what was wrong. They stayed on what was right. That's courage or fortitude. Um, and then prudence, seeing a whole lot of options and saying some of these are better than others, but there's a right way. And, and, and um, prudence allows you to find that right way. You know what I mean? The four virtues go hand in hand, basically. The martyrs, the witnesses to this beautiful life, habituated virtues, and then in faith, the Holy Spirit elevated those virtues to be something truly holy, something almost divine. It's a, it's a powerful witness for all of us. Um, let me tell you, the world needs that witness, and it needs it from you.